Hey everyone, it's Ryan, and before we start, just wanted to give a quick content warning for this episode. It is Edward August, and we are talking about an Alan Moore book, so this episode does cover pretty extensively some violence and sexual violence against both men and women, and a lot of gore, and it's some pretty serious stuff, so if that's not something you want to have to listen to or want to deal with, it's totally understandable. Maybe skip this one. But aside from that, we also have some good conversations and some good analysis of it. But just wanted to give everyone a warning. So if you have any issues with that, maybe skip it and Edgelord August will be done now. So we'll see you next episode. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Vice of Issues, the Foul Mouse Spoilerful Comic Book Podcast, where two comic fans and two non-comic fans talk about comic books and comic book history. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. So, month of Edward Largest is here, about to wrap up, and we're going to cover the original Edgelord. Not the original Edgelord, that's, that's Nietzsche. The original <laughs> Edgelord in comics is Al Moore. Now, if... You're a casual comic book fan. You probably heard of a lot of Alan Moore works like Watchmen or V for Vendetta. Killing Joke. Killing Joke. Yeah, which we've covered before. Swamp Thing, which we've covered before. <laughs> if you're a casual comic fan, you know about Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah. But why did we pick League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Because that had like a movie with Sean Connery. That doesn't seem super edgy. Yeah, so we should clarify some stuff about Alan Moore. Like, he worships the snake out in the woods. Yeah, he's a, he's a crazy sorcerer guy. But more importantly... <laughs> For uh, Ezra August, he basically started the trend of cynical British uh, comic books in, uh, that, like, uh, Mark Millar and Garth Ennis and Pat Mills all spawned from. They basically all became big because Al Moore opened the door for them. And he's very ingrained in that community. Like, like I, we mentioned in the Cross episode, he wrote for Cross. Like, he is, it's not like he created it and he's like, oh, so I made mean, I mean, Harmon Smith. He is part of that cynical British Ezra Lord community. He created it, and like he's revered more than uh, the others by Daryl Phil, but he he is the originator of that trend. <laughs> I would say he's revered more by everybody. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say like you you can start a shitty trend and not be as shitty as the rest. Like I think mm-hmm. this is way better than any Mark Millar stuff. Mm-hmm. It is, but like I, I think it's important to uh, paint the picture that he is not separate from the stuff you hate. He is. He's very ingrained into the fibers of the Edgelord community, and he's not <laughs> ashamed of what he's created. The thing with Alan Moore, too, is I feel like he is... Like, we've talked about it in Swamp Thing, when we did Killing Joke. He does a lot of really, really great stuff, but like Mark Millar, he has a lot of tropes that, like... A lot of my first comic books were Alan Moore books, and I was like, he made me like love the medium and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, like, over time, I was like, maybe he's not my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Mark Millar's trope is cuckolding. Garth Ennis' trope is superheroes get raped and rape people. <laughs> and uh, Al Moore is just rape. Just flat-out rape. <laughs> Multiple appearances of rape. Rape is constant. If there's a man uh, and a woman together alone, someone will probably get raped. That is what happens in Al Moore books. Rape, rape, They're, rape. Like, 
in like every Alan Moore book. And like it was only there was only one rape in this, right? But they still talk about it multiple times. And we should clarify. Yeah. So I'm gonna paint you the picture of I, I I was picking the series up um to as a candidate for April August. I, I I skipped the first volume. We're reading volume two for because uh, volume two is one of the really edgy shit, the really mm-hmm. edge of August worthy shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it opens up with in the first issue of the first volume. Yeah, the first, yeah. yeah the, first, the female lead goes to try to find one of the other leads, and he's uh, opioid addicted, uh, bedridden, uh, wreck. And while she's going to visit him, like men outside just come in and start raping, trying to rape her. Like the mm-hmm. very first issue of the very first page, and then it turns out the Invisible Man, who is a character in the series, also rapes women constantly and they all think they're being inhabited by the holy spirit and god is having sex with them mm-hmm. so like this is this like th- this series holds off on the rape until the very end but rape is like ingrained in the league of extraordinary mm. yes yeah because when i think extraordinary gentlemen i think <laughs> rapists <laughs> to, be, to be fair like this is like a very confused premise because originally i was going to tell more it was supposed to be about these Victor- what if every victorian era fiction was real well, not ever real. If they were part of like a superhero team, and then, which is a really cool concept. Yeah, well, actually, I was gonna say like one of the things that kept me really interested in this the whole time I was reading it is like every time a new character would show up, they're from some book I'd read before. It's like oh, the Island of Doctor Moreau, or uh, obviously War of the Worlds, or uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is like like they're one of the main characters. It is an interesting premise, but I think Al Moore was the wrong person from his first premise. Because it's not like a fun action adventure romp. It is a, uh, like he has to deconstruct his characters and make it cynical. Yeah, and, and like, and it's even more it's even more egregious because he includes horror movie characters. Like you could say, like you have, if you have Mister Hyde and the Visible Man, Visible Man and Doctor and Doctor and Mister Hyde are members of this team, and they are naturally rapey. But if they're making if like somebody else is writing this book, they wouldn't make Mister Hyde and Visible Man part of the team. And if they were part of the team, they wouldn't be. The, rapists like they were in the original stories see what i was thinking when i was reading through this is i felt like alan moore was one of the only people i would let do something like this like i was like i don't know who could do better than him with this the premise and having all these people together to make uh, a i really, think like, like some someone trying to capture the feeling of those books like george lucas or steven spielberg would no but they're not action books though like i know they, i wish they were i wish they were <laughs> i would okay, put neil gaiman on this book personally mm, yeah that's a good choice too I, I I would rather have somebody who tried to capture the feeling of those old books rather than like the adventurous spirit of it. Yes, exactly. Like this is like a this if he's captured anything. It captures the spirit of Mister Hyde, the guy who rapes women all the time. And so <laughs> yes, it captures the spirit of that. But maybe he should have been like that tone should have been the tone for an entire series. Mm. I I can see that, but I really feel like all, like all the books it's talking about are all dark, kind of like do- the Island of Doctor Moreau is really dark. War of the Worlds yeah, is really dark. It's really dark, but then everyone's like a cartoon character. Like the monsters all look like cartoons, and then yeah, like it's really weird tonally. Like I I really wish another person who had a more set vision for like a fun adventures book wrote this series instead. If it's the cartooniness that bothers you, is that Alan Moore? Or is that Kevin O'Neill, the artist? But I, I imagine he, uh, Alan Moore had to approve it. Because I I just I, I just don't I don't know if. Like not everything needs to be like Guardians of the Galaxy where they're like yeah. having a good time. No, I'm not saying time, it does. Like... I'm saying I'm saying I don't like the, uh, the the book overall. I'm I'm kind of okay on. I just I think it could have been better if it was more actually about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and like Al Moore like tried to write differently from what he usually once writes for once in his life. <laughs> so um, Ryan, when you point out uh, Kevin O'Neill, the artist, mm-hmm. I 
love his art. I thought it gelled so well with Alan Moore's vision. Like there was a lot of pages as I was um, flipping through the books that like I, I was just captivated by and I really like to examine the intricacies of. And I feel like his the exaggerated style that he does with the characters, like when he shows just a whole bunch of British random commoners. Like I just love seeing how exaggerated and wacky and silly they are when juxtaposed against like um the the, the kind of serious, austere tone of the book. Hmm. I love the sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> The okay. thing that the, the thing that I really like about this this art is this book came out in two thousand four, and to me it it's much more in line with the like late eighties British invasion style comic book art. Like this, I could see this being like a late eighties early nineties book. I was actually surprised that it came out so much later, and I think the artist I think the artist does fit with Alan Moore. I was just mm-hmm. asking that question for Sly. <laughs> I, I was I was shitting on him. I don't like how he draws the monsters in Island Doctor Moreau. As a big fan of that story. But um, I do think Ezra Everwells is great, and I think uh, he is a great fit for his book otherwise. Okay, cool. So we are reading the second volume. Yeah, yes. speaking of crazy art, how does this start out? <laughs> All right, first let's just go, quickly go to our team members, Mr. Hyde, Rapist, Invisible Man, Rapist. Well, well no, no, yeah, okay. You, you're really hammering on this point. But... <laughs> Mr. Hyde is like his, his, his reason why he gets interested to the team is like he's raping a bunch of people and the team has to go find him and just stop him. Like <laughs> yeah. you can't say no, stop. I don't be too harsh on the rapist. No, <laughs> Daryl just recently read the first volume, so why doesn't he introduce the team? Right, yeah, so the team is put together by like this, you know, the shadowy government uh, British organization because the, these people work for the Brits, and it's uh, Mina Murray from Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Alan Quartermain from, like, the whole series of British adventures that he's in. Captain Nemo from 40,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Hyde, of course, and the Invisible Man. And they're all put together, and in the first book, they have to stop um, Moriarty. Who's Sherlock Holmes' rival? Nemesis, yeah. Yeah, And I feel like this this is, like, like Phil, this was part of the appeal, is there was so, like, he adds so many other characters in from, like, like, they'll just name drop the characters, or he'll drop, like, a a hint, or you'll see, like, a a note that says, like, from this character. And because I'm I'm really bad with my classics, I had no idea who a lot of these people (laughs) were. Yeah, I I have to admit, I was the same. Yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know, but it's it's cool, like just existing in this world where there's all these important figures. Like, it, it feels like there's more depth there. Yeah, and these are like all them. really like formative novels for English literature. Like, they, like it's really cool seeing how many of them all like are, like you're saying exist in the same world together. And if you do get the references, like even if they're not a main part of the plot, like you said, just having it there is cool because it's like all those crazy wacky things could all exist in this world that people just don't know about, really. Like, maybe yeah. people don't know vampires are real and stuff like that. Yeah. Reading this, I got to feel like Phil and Daryl when they read, like, a big superhero comic where I'm like, there's a lot of characters here. I'm sure I'm supposed to know who they are, yeah, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> I think does. that aspect of it made me just like it more because uh, I find the world more interesting than the, the, the way Elmore presents it. Mm. Uh, but example of that is the first issue where uh, Gulliver is a spaceman, apparently, and he's on Mars. <laughs> oh, from Gulliver's Travels. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool too. I think yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, so I, this is the reason why I'm like I'll say like the first issue let's rush over it because it doesn't have anything to do with anything because it actually is what the book should have been a very adventurous kind of out there premise like Gover is a spaceman out in space he's finding out that on Mars the uh, Mars from uh, World of the Worlds H.G. Wells World of the Worlds I think. Yeah. Also, most of his dialogue, uh, I don't know if this is Alan Moore's flaw as a writer, it's incomprehensible as if it was written in some <laughs> sort of Martian language. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's it's specifically written with like a Martian text, so you can't tell yeah. what's happening. But he still includes it, like like it, it, it's non like. N- oh, that was a joke. I thought it was interesting and fun to follow. I, I yeah. have to clarify because again, some people may not have read this or will ever read this, so they'll just think that his writing's bad, and it's not. It's just <laughs> written in Martian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, the, the aliens are going to invade Earth, and that's last. Well, time first, I, I wanted to say like they start out with a huge war between the different alien races, and yes. it is it is off the wall. Like yeah. they're like they're getting slaughtered by these like lizard dinosaur people, and then these big tall dudes. Like, like, they, they ride the lizard dinosaur people to the mollusk centered in which they fight the <laughs> tripods from War of the Worlds. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And so we never see any of this stuff again. Uh, Gopher never shows up again. And uh, we cut to Earth for next issue. But, but it's yeah. just, it's such nice, like, I, I really, if th- this issue is mostly just a filler issue showing you the tripods who are going to be the main villain of this arc. And it's, it's, the the way it's drawn, it's, it's very unique. It's like space Arabic in a lot of places. Yeah. Like Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Very pulp sci fi from like 50s and stuff like that. Uh, and yeah. as I said, I wish the rest of the book was like this. I, w- I don't even get why Gulliver and the other ones don't show on down- up later on to just be like, hey, let's help her if they just never show up again. I think it- it's just setting it up. It is, it is yeah. a filler issue, but this is it- like my preferred filler of like, it at least entertains you like greatly. While it at least show- glimpses into another uh, part of the world. Like, it's- it yeah. feeds the world yeah. a bit. Yep. And when I read this, I was like, Wait, I kind of pushed to do this for Edzor August. Was I wrong? Because this is cool and not edgy at all. <laughs> yeah, so now we get to edgy stuff because now we get to our edgelord characters. At least the two edgelords and the people around them. I, I think the the tone is a little edgy just in the sense that everyone is so stone-faced as people, like innocent people die, except Captain Nemo. Basically, yeah. everyone is just like, I guess people of London are getting slaughtered. Like, that's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so, a very cynical book. Yeah. Yes, so the League uh, are called to like the uh, crash-landed... Spacecraft. Um, and by spacecraft, it basically looks like the tip of a bullet, just yeah. like yeah. slammed into the Earth. And this, this, the alien uh, starts like evaporating everyone around it. Everyone starts fleeing in terror. Yeah, we have, we have the the main tripod mass, which is like these gooey like th- they look like big alien brains with a lot of tentacles around them, and they they fall down onto the ground because Earth's gravity is heavier than Martian gravity, so they can't move. And instead, yeah. they just have their robots come out, and like with a heat beam, it just melts everyone that's looking at like the the alien menace from above. Also, James Bond is there. Was, was that was that James Bond? I wasn't sure. If it, if no, no, Cam- Camp on Bond's different from because I think yeah, he's not James thought, Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an original character. Because I was looking these guys oh. up, I was like, who are they? I, I wish that like uh, th- this might seem dumb, but I wish this book was a bit more uh, more fan servicey than it is like no but this but he talks about like the new m and he talks about mi6 yeah. like mm-hmm. i think this is supposed to be at least a james bond like victorian yeah. era version of i it. think i think m is mycroft uh yeah well it was moriarty that was the twist in the first book is m stood for moriarty not mycroft and then mycroft ended up taking it over after was sherlock in the first book at all um no that's and i like that you did that because sherlock is almost you'd almost picture him like the superman of the series where it's like he can solve any kind of like thing and it, it's left unknown what his fate is after his duel that's what i i mean because uh like i wish there was like van helsing uh sherlock holmes i wish it went like more fan service like i wish it went like the the, the the fucking titans of this these genres like yeah I, I feel like we're on a spectrum and you want to pull it in a direction in which i would criticize it more if that happened yeah and, yeah, and so, it's, it's in the direction where i criticize it. i'm like yeah, I don't yeah know, I'm not now, now you have to deal with a book where i'm like this is so my style and you're yeah. like this is this isn't enough 
Yeah. I'm so mad because I thought I got a reference. I was like, it's not a high literature, but it's just some <laughs> dumb action schlock character that I know. Nope, it's not James Bond. Fuck I was me. confused. I, I did think the same thing at first, but I'm like, this is totally not the right time period. Like, uh, is this... You know, and that would be cool too if they introduced like Bond. Like people always have that theory that Bond is a code name. If there's a Bond from the Victorian era, I would love that. Like, I mean, that could that could be what that is. Why it could, he yeah, it. yeah. All right, so we have to, I have to clarify real quick. When we say Dr. Mister Hyde, he isn't just like a rapist. He's also like a more rapey Hulk, basically. Like like um, Ultimate Mark Millar Hulk. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, but he talks like in full sentences. He yeah. has like a personality. But when I say, when I say Hulk, I mean he's superpowers, super strong. Yeah, he's really big and muscular, and, like, he is, like, he says he's a beast, but he's not stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, Grey Hulk, right, guys? He's a Grey Hulk. Isn't that right? He, he's just, he's just, uh, the man's, you know, uh, Jekyll's inner demons unleashed, and he gets unleashed yeah. when the uh, aliens evaporate everything, and, uh, the, all the, the League is like, what do we do now? And they all ha- go to a nearby, uh, place to, uh, hang out. Mm-hmm. While everything is in chaos, and they're all like, um, like Mia is like freaking out to talk about like how she feels so small because like now aliens are out there. And yeah, it's like how you look up into the the sky and the stars, and you feel like, oh, I wonder what's out there. And now it feels like very oppressive because you're like, oh, people that want to kill us are out there. She said, "I used to look at the night sky as like a blanket protecting us, and now it's just like fear of the unknown." Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's, uh, they talk about how they're fucked. Um, <laughs> how are we gonna, how are we gonna fight, fight these aliens during the night? Um, uh, Mia goes to visit Mister Hyde, and Mister Hyde uh, talks to her uh, very somberly, saying, "I want to rape you." Yeah, basically, <laughs> like basically, I want to rape you. But he says, like, I want to rape you specifically because you're, you're. You're not afraid of me as much as everyone else is because you saw somebody worse. A reference to her and Dracula because she yeah. was the one bitten by Dracula in the original story. This scene is so weird because, like, I get what he's trying to do character-wise where it's like you're supposed to feel for him that... He, like, I don't know if you're supposed to feel for him, but, like... You are. I feel like Almore is trying to make him feel deep, but I don't think it, it feels earned. Like, yeah, because he's, he's supposed to be saying, like, you know, I'm a monster, but you actually, like, you don't hate me and I don't hate you, so, like, our dynamic is like, you know, like, our dynamic is more interesting than usual, where everybody just, like, treats me just like a monster. But he also, like, calls black people darkies, and then he says, like, I should just rape you, but I won't for now. You better leave before I do it. And I'm like, am I supposed to, but like... It, the thing is, it's, if it is the inner demons of of uh, mm-hmm. Hyde or Jekyll, it's like, it's it's his racist tendencies. It's his, you know... No, I get that. I, I know, but, but like, like, how what Brian's saying is that he doesn't know how he's supposed to feel about Hyde. Like, it just feels like yeah, he's trying to make him yeah. nuance without actually adding any nuance to him. He's just like, yeah. I have nuance in I, I, I felt like there was nuance added. It can get weird, especially with this book, because it, it focuses so much on kind of making him sympathizable, where he's not a sympathizable character. But I feel like yeah. this scene was really earned coming off of the first volume, in which Hyde was just a monster, and there mm. gets to a point where they want to leave without him, and Mina says, no, we have to wait. We have to make sure that he comes with us kind of a deal so i felt like when it finally got here it's like well it would make sense that he would actually sit down and talk to her and because in the beginning like he's i'm just gonna kill and rape everyone type of deal but he it felt like he was getting calmer as the series was progressing especially since we don't see like jekyll for this entire book it's just like it's become all hide that's that's very fair because like I'm definitely biased against this because I haven't read the first volume in a really, really long time. And also, like, whenever I read an Alan Moore book, I'm, like, counting down for the rape. Yeah. So when he brings it up, I'm just like, don't 
don't do this. So, yeah. like, I can see, like, in this scene, it definitely makes sense. It's so like, it's like uh, in Watchmen when uh, they're talking, when what was it, Suspect's mom talk about how you can't stand her relationship with the comedian. It's very complicated. I'm like, no, it's not. He fucking raped you. And you, mm-hmm. like, it's like, it feels like it's kind of gross in a lot of ways. But, like, when I read Watchmen first and when I reread Watchmen, like, I still have that, like, first time reading perspective where, like, I'm not looking for the Alan Moore rape tropes. So it works a lot better. Then here, where he's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna talk about rape because, like, I'm Al Moore. <laughs> mm. uh, the Invisible Man listens to Invisible, sneaks over to the aliens, and says, drawing uh, symbols in the, um, in the sand. I think this is really cool. I also, well, I, I want to say that I like his design a lot uh, when he's with the group because he's invisible. He like wraps bandages around his body. What, so he, yeah, that's a classic uh, Universal like look he has, the uh, all bandaged look. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, so the Invisible Man like draws in the sand um, stick figures, uh, like uh, a globe with a stick figure man on it, and a globe with a, a circle. I should say not a globe, a circle with uh, like a makeshift alien on it. It's supposed they- to be Earth, but like Earth's flat. <laughs> oh yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> Fucking globe heads. Well, it's flat here too, actually. Oh, it is on a page. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> So um, basically, it's it's like he's like trying to uh, make the point that I'm with you. My stick figure is next to yours. Now I'll be standing next to you. I will help you. Basically, try to get. Uh, basically, he's going to betray them. And I should also know uh, he's going to betray humanity. Mm-hmm. He wants to rule alongside the like yeah. big brain people. Yeah, because because they all think they're they're fucked. And yeah. uh, uh, the narrator uh, Al Moore uh, writes in a very like Victorian like style, saying, "Ah, you for reader, well, that thine eyes were plucked out from thy heads." Uh, Error day to witness the treachery. Be sure to purchase our next number, or we guarantee our horrors more pogs still. It really does feel like a Victorian Stanley, and I yep. do like those that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot too. But I, I, again, I feel it's more appropriate if the book was less serious. But. Also, uh, also, this was an interesting like twist because it, throughout the first book, the Invisible Man works with them, but it's very clear like he makes it known early on when he's talking to Mina at one point. That he is a straight up misanthrope. He thinks humanity is disgusting, and he's with the one where he's like, "I wish they were invisible and not me." This this was interesting because I never knew when because he he tried to betray them once before, but they found out and they're like, "Hey, don't do that." And he's like, "You got it." I didn't know if this was supposed <laughs> to be like him faking it, but no, he is serious. He is going to yeah. give the earth to these aliens, which I thought was a uh, interesting because he is a he is like a monster on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of times too, like they they make jokes with like Nemo talking to Hyde, where it's like it can be like kind of like light and fluffy, but at at the core of it, this guy is a like this is someone you want to kill. You don't want this person around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mr. Hyde and uh, the Visible Man are both actual monsters from mm-hmm. monster movies. Like the Visible Man is the villain yeah. of the Visible Man movie. Like he is the one everyone has to kill because he goes insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it makes sense to the bad guys on the team. You know, it's really interesting that they can't see his motivations because, I don't know, I thought this character you could see right through. (laughs) (laughs) So the army shows up to the uh, another crater spot. They're, you know, using cannons and artillery and they're like, we got them, chaps. And it seems like artillery kind of works on them a little, but they still have this like heat beam. So (laughs) when they peek their head out, they just burn all the soldiers to death. And it's like, uh, like they all said before, some of the pages are really like crazy, like just... There's like this green glow as they're being incinerated and stuff. Yeah, and there's yeah. a horse is uh, being lifted up and engulfed by flame. Yeah, really crazy shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, the group is wondering, like, 
how did they burn all our artillery positions so accurately and so quickly? Like without, like they must have known where all of them were. And huh, and then the house, weird. their house starts on fire, and they're like, "Oh, if we didn't get out of that like in a few minutes, we would have been dead too." That's weird. <laughs> and the Invisible Man's like, "They must be just be really smart." <laughs> well, I like that they note that when they got up, the Invisible Man was already up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's obviously giving them the artillery positions. Their driver shows up. Uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, is he a character from a book? He, he I don't has know to be. Anytime they sit there and they're like, it's the, the, when they give them a name, that's always a character from a book. Yeah, I'm looking they, if they give this guy a name. They do. I don't they know do. if they give. They, I don't know if they give him a name, but they, they do always keep like emphasizing, like like when Mister Hyde threatens him later on, he's like, "I face much worse than you. I am a character from a book. You definitely yeah. have never read." I I, I don't know. William him, Samson. But... <laughs> now, 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 me and Ryan are the scrubs who can't. Yeah. Oh, you guys know William Samson? What idiots! Like, come on. William Samson, British novel. He's a British novelist and short story writer. He's an um, author. Yeah, he's an author. Maybe he, he was a self-insert fanfic writer. <laughs> well, anyway, if like uh, a Victorian era uh, reader is listening to us, they'd be like, he's gonna be like ripping their hair out, saying, "What the fuck? Who doesn't know William Samson? You fucking frauds." <laughs> Oh, no, no, he's the Wolf of Kabul, who's appeared in over 100 stories in various story papers from 1922 to 1972. It's Bill uh, Sampson. <laughs> so he's like Sid from Final Fantasy, he just shows up all the time? <laughs> That's cool. I guess so. <laughs> so there, a lot of the narration in this chapter is done through like a, like letters or journals. It's Mina's journals that she's yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah. And they're talking about how they get to London and everyone's in chaos. Even, like, apparently this, like, heat beam can hit, like, miles away. So they get called over to... Bond's office. Um, is like, yeah, museum. James Bond. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Some Bond. Fat Bond. <laughs> and they're basically just planning, like, what to do. And, you know, the group, the League is like, it sounds like an invasion. And they're like, oh, don't say that, because then people are going to panic. Um, we just got to, uh, you know, evacuate the city. They, they tell them, they tell, like, uh, a couple of them, it's like, hey, go back there and still support and watch over the crater position. And then he's, uh, Bond says to Mina that, like, study over our artillery plans of where all of our artillery is going to be, like, our military plans. So he gives that to her as a task. Yeah, and she's mm-hmm. also the one who figures out that, oh, the reason they're having trouble moving is because Mars' gravity is lower. Mm-hmm. And that's why blah, blah, blah. Some of the group splits up. Hyde goes to... He, he they he goes with the um with Alan Quartermain and Nemo back to the 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 creator. Yep. Yeah. And this is where they meet and the driver, uh Bill Sampson or whatever. Yep. <laughs> and this is where they meet the first milk stool. <laughs> which is a tri- which is a tripod that Alan Quartermain calls a milk stool. <laughs> which I like cuz like why would they have a tripod? Yeah, yep. it makes perfect. That's actually yeah. a really good point. Yeah. And it's another really cool splash page where it's just like Knocking down all these trees, grabbing things with the tentacles in the middle of the road, uh, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Or well, actually, Hyde says, Hyde says "God's, God's balls." balls. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut back to Mina, left alone uh, in the the headquarters. She's studying the maps, and she's like, "This is done in a very um, Alan Moore." Like, I I didn't really put it together until I was reading this book after having read Killing Joke and Watchmen. And I don't know how present this was in Swamp Thing, but he really, when he's, like, given stuff to do, he really loves his pages with no text where it's nine individual boxes on a page. Yeah, the nine-panel grid. Yep. Yep. And so she's, like, yeah, she's looking at the map. She's yawning. She goes over to the window. She's looking at stuff at the museum. Very cinematic. Builds a lot of tension. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And she goes over and she sees a chair. She sees some clothes on it. She sees some bandages on it. She picks up the bandages and she's like, Griffin? And he's looking at the artillery plans. And he's, and he's just, invisible. He's invisible because he took all his clothes, his bandages and clothes off. Yeah. yeah. And basically, he just spends the next few pages brutalizing her. Yeah. Um, this is another typical Alan Moore style. Uh, yeah. Woman getting brutalized multiple panels. Um, so I actually was like, he's definitely going to rape her. And then he didn't. And I was surprised. But then later on, her inner monologue is, it, it, it wouldn't even have been more embarrassing if he raped me. It's just as bad. And I'm like, okay, yeah. fine, I guess. <laughs> Why do you have to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have to yeah. do that? Well, it, it, it's hard because... It, not to try and like sympathize with him too much, but he's trying to write that the she says that because basically that he made her beg because she has to say, uh, look up to me and tell me you're a stuck up little tart because he, the, the invisible man's an asshole that doesn't like her because she's rude to everyone in the league because everyone's basically like they're all man children. So yeah. she's like, none of you can like do anything. You need me to do stuff. And so this is the invisible man taking it out on her. And she says during that dialogue that she he made her grovel and that was the worst thing that ever happened and even as like the world's like going to hell around her she just has this one line of like he made me grovel for yeah, someone I, went, went, went through dracula i i i have trouble like no, but I, I, so- I completely understand that like he took away my dignity he left me like heaved over in a pile of my own vomit like i get what that I get what she's saying. Mm-hmm. It's just like again, it's my bias against Alan Moore's style when he's just like it would have been just as bad if you yeah, me, like you know? I, I, like, I think that line why? should have just been cut off. I think you can just you yeah. can emphasize the fact that it's bad enough that he made me grovel, not that he like beat her up and made her throw up and put her face in her own puke. Yeah, <laughs> which I was like, this is all like so excessive. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. Like yeah. as he's getting as she's like as he's hitting her in the stomach, she starts throwing up yeah. and she, like, her face is in it. It's really it's yeah. really gross. And then the rest of the league, besides uh, Invisible Man, obviously, get back and they find, specifically Hyde finds Mina on the ground. Um, and they're like, what the fuck? Uh, the the plans detailing the artillery positions are gone. And Hyde is visibly like ex- extra upset that Mina's hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing, that's, the, the thing that I think is a nice touch is everybody else is like, we got to get the plans. Where are the plans? And Hyde only cares about Mina. Yeah. yeah. And it's the only reason why, like, uh, they're, they're, they want revenge, and Hyde only cares about revenge because he wants to get revenge for me. Like, he doesn't really care about everything else yeah. mm-hmm. as much. He also, he really just wants to fight the aliens, and they won't let him fight the aliens because they're like, he'll die. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. I want to fight him. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he has no restraint, because that's Jekyll. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, and I, I think they actually do. They, they talk a lot about the Jekyll and Hyde, like, uh, paradigm, and it, it is interesting how they say, like, without, without Hyde... Jekyll has no ambition or drive, mm-hmm. but without uh, Jekyll, Hyde has no restraint or like thinking. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, 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 I keep I keep dissing on this book, and and it's only because of um, a few certain elements to it. Yeah, but uh, I think I think uh, uh, Hyde is my favorite part of this book. Uh, I, I always you like the Hulk book. character in the book. Yeah, I was about to say, like Jekyll and Hyde is the original Bruce Banner and Hulk. Yeah. I know, I, I fucking love, and I love like because like Hyde installs Doctor Jekyll saying he was like a little pansy boy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like everything he wished he was. I, yeah, I tell me love, I'm a pansy. <laughs> yeah, I, I but like I, I like this makes me want to read uh, want to read like a Mister Hyde book by Alan Moore. Like I think mm. it's really, I think uh, uh, in, in general the character work is really good too. Like Mina was a character I, I never cared about ever. Mm-hmm. I was wondering why she's in this book, but I think they go do a good job. Yeah, 
showing her like she, she uh, her as a victim of Dracula makes her uh, she justifies her presence on this team like uh, she's not just a damsel in distress yeah I mean she's like, my favorite character in this book yeah she's my second favorite, yeah she's probably. never she's never like a damsel she's always yeah. doing stuff herself yeah, yeah. like yeah. even at, at the end of the first book what it is is it's Moriarty is going to shoot Alan Quartermain in the head and she saves him mm. oh, interesting after the this whole affair they uh, Cap- Captain Nemo. And Hyde are gonna. Are yeah, gonna they're gonna go, go into on. Captain Nemo's oct- uh, water o- metal octopus. Yeah. It's like a, it's a it's so cool. It's like this uh, Kraken submarine. And uh, then Mina and Quartermain are supposed to go to this secret doctor in the woods and get H one forty two. Well, we already said it's Doctor Moreau. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the secret doctor. It's yeah. it's it's cool though because at this point you only know it's a secret doctor as like a shifting base, so you're excited yeah. to see it's like w- what is it going to be this time? Yeah, at one point they call him like the Devil Doctor, and, and I'm like, what is H142? And, and I think it's interesting because uh, Doctor Moreau is not inherently obvious how he would have a solution to stop aliens, but yeah. it makes yep. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And and so as they, you know, they're talking to like the milk stools are spreading, uh, more of them uh, keep landing. And we're fucked. And Alan Moore says, Lord love us. Can our nation's do- doughtiest defenders quell the influx of these queerly behaved foreign devils who show no sign of attempting to adapt to our time-humored English way of life? <laughs> so I- issue four starts with a train. They're, they're evacuating London. And there's all these like really posh uh, Englanders that are like, oh, what's the big deal? And then the milk stools show up and just completely fucking destroy everything. This, they, this like, was smash. one of those like edgelord moments where I could see Millar reading this and being like, oh, this is awesome. All the death and destruction. Yeah, yeah. a little kid it sees like his family die in front of him. Mm. Not just his family die, like his dad like has like a big piece of metal sticking out of his skull. Yeah, and and I was wondering, he got the kid gets saved from, by Captain Nemo's uh, octopus submarine mm-hmm. as it fights the aliens. But I, and this I was actually is a really cool effect because he gets saved because the submarine comes up out of the ground. I mean, yeah. out of the water that he's like yeah. drowning in, and he's just standing on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I I wonder if this was a character, uh, but uh, I looked up him. this kid, and I think he's just in this book. Yeah, I, I was wondering, is this Tom Sawyer or something? Like, what is it? <laughs> because he says, like, I want to be a captain of a ship one day. And I was like, this got to uh, be somebody. That's American. Yeah. I, but uh, Captain Nemo, I, I I know Captain Nemo is British literature, but he's an Indian character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so is... British India, you know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of ours, says Alan Moore. Yeah. <laughs> so they save the kid, and this is when Hyde's edginess started to, like, grate on me a little bit. So they save the kid, and... Hyde's like, I'll give him something to cry about. And Nemo's like, he's only a child. And he's like, I know what children look like. I've often scraped them off my boots. And I'm like, okay, calm yeah, down. I've murdered myself. children, sucker. <laughs> uh, also, I really love the page of the, the Nautilus surfacing and blowing up one of the tripods with a cannon. Like, it's pretty awesome. It's a really cool ship. <laughs> yeah, uh, only that was a good artist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so they save the kid and they're... So they're, like, going, they're on, like, the fight, you know, the front lines. And then it cuts to Quartermain and and Mina in this, like, big open field. Mm-hmm. And they, they're just, like, talking for a little bit. And he's trying to get her to talk about, like, you know, how he's really cynical. And she's just like, let's just try to enjoy ourselves, you know? Like, even though it's scary and terrible, we still, like, are in, you know, it's still, like, we're out in the woods. It's a beautiful world. And they're looking for the doctor. Uh, so they find a crazy guy, and he, he basically talks about how there's animal people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, they look closer to animals, animal people. He looks he looks a little bit like the Mad Hatter from the Batman animated TV series. He does. That's <laughs> a good, he really does. I like also uh, the speaking of the character work, like when uh, Captain Nemo and Hyde are on the Nautilus together and talking. Like Nemo has such disdain for Hyde. Like he like he he basically would kill him if if he wasn't part of the team. Yeah, he and tries like, to kill him later on. Yeah, he tries to kill him. And like uh, when they save the kid and Hyde is making comments about it, he's like, "Protecting the innocent is our work, creature." And Hyde's like, "No, killing Marsmen, that's our work." Yeah, which really hammers home why he likes Mina the most because Mina's the only one that isn't like you know go fuck off and die. Yeah. <laughs> also, Nemo's my favorite character. Yeah. I like. He's him still rad. Who's your favorite character, Phil? Everyone else has different favorite. Yeah, characters. That's actually that shows how good the character work is. Yeah, I don't know. It's not Quartermain, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I, do, I was gonna say I do like the character work on Quartermain and Nima, uh, Mina because uh, Mina in the first issue she talks about how uh, she she read uh, Quartermain's adventures uh, story adventures as a child and she grew up with them oh yeah and then she, and then she kind of met him and he was kind of like a opioid a drug addicted fuck and like even here he's like a whiny old man complaining all the time so like mm-hmm. he's uh, he's kind of been a letdown to her uh, perception of him as a heroic figure so I kind of find it interesting mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So uh, Quartermain and um, Mina go to a hotel to, to stay, and they're pretending to be a married couple. So Mina's like, I guess we gotta fuck now because we're a married couple. And Quartermain's like, what? And she starts undressing in front of them. It's kind of an interesting scene because she is very, like, in control of it the whole time, where she's like, oh, like, you've never undone a corset before? And he's like, oh, but, like, you're so young, and I'm, like, so old. <laughs> yeah. And when he, he takes, like, he takes off his pants, and, like, he is really old. Like, he has a raggedy old man body. and <laughs> Yeah, scars all over him. Yeah, you see more, more details than you want to. And Mina's just, like, a high young girl. <laughs> And they, 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 and they, and they fuck. They fuck, and at the same time, <laughs> it, it intersperses pages of like London burning down from these tripods, yeah. and them, and them boning down. Yeah, which, like, yeah. I, I really like the idea. Like, I understand why he wants to put in this idea. You know, if the world is ending, you're kind of gonna probably want to bone someone one last time, you know, even if like they're a work associate and stuff. It's just, well, and I, she I, says like, when I was a girl, I used to like read your books by candlelight and fantasize about you which like so i said it was established earlier it's not yeah. just like it's just i never i never saw their relationship in a kind of sexual tension mode within the first book even though more was kind of building up to be that and that they like they hate each other so much that everyone else sees that they like each other kind of way but, but yeah. I, I think that's why uh spoilers they break up after this i yeah. think it was just the, the fear of they're gonna die so let's okay fuck. yeah i no, also like the uh going back to the cool war stuff like when they when London's getting burned down, they're 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 using the the Thames River as like a moat, and Nemo's like, if if we can't uh, evacuate everyone, we just have to blow up the bridges with people on them mm-hmm. because we can't let the tripods get into the city. Yeah, and uh, it shows how dire everything is. Like they're they're basically like we're fucked. Yeah, it shows the Invisible Man talking to the the tripod, the the alien tripods. And he's telling them, it's like, you got to do something. There's, I, I've been on this boat. I know there's a boat underneath the river blowing you all up. You need to do something about it. Or submarine. Yep. Yeah. And an important point during the sex is uh, Nina asks <laughs> Cordemay to bite her neck. And he does so. And afterwards, he sees her neck and she's all covered with bite marks. And she says, uh, and she like, and he's like, he's like freaked out about it visibly. So Mina gets upset, saying, "I see, not quite the two discreet puncture marks of legend, are they?" Good night, Mister Quartermain. Uh, so like, you can see, like, oh yeah, she's right... she normally she normally wears a scarf around her neck, even when they're boning, mm-hmm. and it just slips yeah. off. Yeah. So like, she could tell she's very self conscious about 
the fact that Dracula just fucked up her neck massively. Uh, one thing I just want to point out about the sex scene is first they like really they really showcase how old he is because he's like I can't even do it and she's like I'll take over don't worry and she gets on top of him and she we've all been there yeah oh, I'm tired. <laughs> she tells him to bite her shoulder because she's wearing her scarf the whole time and then afterwards that's when he sees her neck I'm sorry yeah I fucked up the detail later on before they go to bed that's when he sees her neck but then so the final panel she when she says like not the two discreet puncture marks like you said good night it's both of them laying there with like wide terrified eyes with the caption gaze child on the unhappy fornicators in their sorry bed of sin and resolve to learn from their shameful example should this dismal moral lesson fail to persuade you to lifelong abstinence fear not for there shall be another such fierce instruction in our, in our next socially responsible number that is what a great. weird thing to say. Wait, <laughs> that is, maybe that's... That we, know, we always theorize why Mark, Mark Malloy got cucked. That's why he has this cuckling. Maybe Almar really hates sex, so he has to paint this ugly, filthy thing. <laughs> so people read it and like, I don't want to do this ever. Like, <laughs> God damn it. There's also... While they're, while they're laying there with their white eyes, there's just only the Bible sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, it, could be the, it could be just a Victorian era thing. That, that's what I'm thinking, because all the, the rest of these, like, every uh, issue ends with like trying to build you up to for the next one but it, all it's about is like one of them was about like great british values and stuff at the yeah end I, I do think it's ironic but i wouldn't be surprised if elmore has sex issues too <laughs> i i think if anything he really likes it because <laughs> he's he <laughs> loves using sex in his books the other thing that ends the issue is the invisible man is meeting with the the brain people again and, and what's cool too is i, I think like they don't have to show you like, and now they're they're gonna do this to the river. It just you see him saying, "Hey, there's a problem with the submarine that's stopping you." And then the next issue opens up with the whole Thames River filled with this like red tentacle goo. It, it's yeah. like a weed, I think they call it. It's it, space, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, then there's men without like in hatchets trying to hack it down as the 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 weeds are coiling around their legs and stuff. It's true what they say, you know, weed kills. And it's Elmore a, hates yeah. weed and sex. It's <laughs> a very striking image too. It's like a, almost a river of blood is seeing the whole. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's so cool. And and the the sailors cutting it down are all like in this like bright navy blue. Yeah, and not navy, navy blue. Navy blue is dark, but I mean like their sailor outfit blue. They're in the navy though. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Any blue they wear is navy blue. That's why I said it. But then I'm like, people oh are gonna think God. it's dark blue. <laughs> uh, so what kind of blue is this, Daryl? What do you think? It's like it's, it's really it's nice. ultramarine blue. Yeah, royal blue. It does. Um, it doesn't doesn't matter guys wait and... they're marines i thought they were navy oh my, oh my god, god. That's fucking <laughs> okay enough of this so <laughs> hyde says to him like he's talking to nemo hyde's all dressed up and he's like i'm gonna go back to the museum where mino was beat up and nemo's like why would you do that like the invisible man knows that we use that as our base of operations it might be like a trap if you go back there and that's like hyde's whole point is he knows and um while this is going on, it cuts back to Mina and Quartermain talking about it, and Quartermain apologizing for his reaction and saying that basic, um, it, he wasn't shocked like out of disgust. It was shocked out of the fact that his second wife, Stella, was the most striking, remarkable woman he'd ever known, and she had been caught in a fire and had dreadful scars that were all around her throat as well. And then he uses the romantic line of, like, he wasn't repelled, he was amazed that destiny should so distinguish the two women I have loved the most. And then she's like, bang me. <laughs> or actually, like, no. he, starts licking, he starts licking her, her neck saying, yeah. the part of you, part of your body, part of your past, who you are. There's no part of you that's not beautiful. And she's like, oh, God, please do me now. Uh, well, the thing is, okay, I will defend this because I do really like the fact that she's like, this is my biggest shame. It's the thing I hide all the time. And he's like, no, 
I I think it's beautiful and he like embraces mm-hmm. it and he kisses her neck and she's like really she's like really taken by that mm-hmm. and then the only thing that's weird is then the next panel he's like really licking it he's like ooh <laughs> and like that makes it a little weird but like I do really like the idea where she's like I cover this up all the time and like I'm ashamed of it and he like loves that about her too and it becomes like a real like bonding like, spot moment. for her yeah yeah but then he does say it's a necklace decorating her breasts and then he says i want to fuck you it's yeah <laughs> so then like, she okay. says then she says what here among the trees and the wild animals as if i were some native girl i i quite forbid it <laughs> i also and like then, uh, then they, they, bang. they tease they tease like some backstory because she says um uh, her husband wouldn't touch her after he saw him uh, after he saw him so that explains why jonathan and her aren't together in the story mm-hmm. oh yeah it's a good detail yeah. actually yeah so they try and start banging and then a bear comes up behind well, they, them. they start banging oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and a bear comes up a bear he's man... about to finish he says like i'm not gonna last much longer oh like... you mean i'm coming okay I'm yeah joking. a bear man comes up behind them that's like kind of cartoonish i realize he's dressed like rupert the old cartoon <laughs> yeah. bear this is you what know. i mean by totally weird because all the all the animals they look like some like it felt like they're trying to evoke like a fairy tale animals. Yeah, they're dressed in like very cutesy. I think like like, like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I think style. they're probably evocative of Alice in Wonderland cartoons. The fact that this guy looks exactly like Rupert the Bear was like my tip off that he was combining Moreau's Island of Animals with like cartoon animals yeah. and stuff. Which is a, I think is a, it would make sense if this is more like a cutesy book, but it's weird in this book, especially since. Uh, the way these are created is a typical chopping them up and merging the parts yeah. together, like in the original moral story. Yeah, but, uh, but I like, you don't think there's anything interesting about the derangement of that you cutify them after they've turned into, the, like, these monsters? But the thing is, I feel like Almore does this, like, so often. Like, it's like he can't do it. Like, he can't make a fairy tale story. Like, he has. Are you thinking to... about Lost Girls, the, like, weird teen yes, porn like book? Yeah, like, he can't do this, like, as it is. He has to make it dark and disassemble it and make it gritty. Like, I don't know. Like, if you. Like, it's like one of those things where you see, we read a writer enough, you could tell mm. this is all they can write. And, like, I could tell this is all Almore can do with these stories is make him dark and gritty. And it's, mm. he does it well. So I should clarify. He does it well. But he always does it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, I think when I you're really familiar, like, same thing like I was saying before, when you're really familiar with a writer's kind of, like, style, it takes you out of it when you, like, remember, this isn't just some fantasy world I'm a part of, this is, a guy wrote this. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Sort of like any time there's cucking, even if it's plot-centric cucking in Millar books, I'm always just yeah. like, yeah, there it is, got it. Yeah. Uh, but we in this scene, we do get, like, a classic, like, raunchy teen comedy joke where she's, like, screaming, and he's like, ooh, you're so into it. This is so good. She's, no, you idiot. Yeah, There's a weird is. bear monster. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, yeah, they're going to kill me. Run. I'll, fight, I'll hold them off. And they're just like, <laughs> the bear is like, not to run, not to run. <laughs> yeah. He takes Quartermain easily because he's so feeble. Poor guy. And yeah. this is a big bear man. <laughs> and then, like, a, a tiger man with a bow tie shows up. He says, you come us. <laughs> And Kwame says, I just, I already come. I can't come again. <laughs> so he cuts back to Hyde in the, the carriage. He's going back to the museum. This is a great scene. There's, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of, like, destruction and stuff going on around And he's around wearing, him. like, a full suit, too. And he, yeah. like, has, like, he has a walking cane. Like, he's, like, yeah. such a, he's, like, Scamper. the Hulk as a gentleman. Yeah, it's like... a striking image because he still walks, like, that, like, gorilla style where he's, yep. like, really hunched over and his knuckles are almost on the ground. But it's with a cane. And, like, I find that really, like, that is a really striking panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he goes inside, and he starts smelling the air, and he he knows that the Invisible Man is inside this place. So he goes into a room, he locks it, he sits down, and it's like, oh, this is funny. 
you don't think I know that you're there. And then it shows a panel of nothing happening. Then he starts laughing and goes, oh, now you think that he's bluffing. But I promise you, Griffin, uh, I promise I'm not. You have my word as a gentleman. And that he, it shows that he can see him because he has, like, a heat vision. And this was, a, this was an amazing In the twist. first <laughs> volume, when the Invisible Man first met him, it showed that he had heat vision. But he said to uh, him, where are you? I can't see you. And he kept acting the whole time when uh, he was with him that's that he really couldn't cool. see him. And this is why it was such a good payoff because it's like I, I didn't know where he was going to go with that because the first volume ends and nothing happens with it. But then here it's like there you are and so he grabs him and he just basically starts breaking his bones apart he slams his face against the window and starts showing him that he sold out the human race like look at all this destruction that you caused i do want to say i like uh when he when he's like i see you but walk over to you i'm gonna break your legs i'm gonna rape you mm-hmm. uh missile man's like this this isn't fair the uh, mr hyde is just like casually no i suppose i just says breaking his arms like casually like whatever mm-hmm. breaking your arms breaking your legs well i guess it's your leg I really like the way that O'Neill does this because, like, you can't see him at all. You can't see Griffin at all. So he's just, like, holding his hands in weird positions. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's just, like, glass breaking, but, like, his hand doesn't touch the glass because, like, you know, the head's in the, the invisible head is in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and this time, this time Griffin is begging the whole time and groveling. He's like, please, please. And yeah. Hyde is like, stop saying that, you piece of shit. Yep. And then he takes off his pants and you can see that he's bending him over. I'm like, Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Why? Well, it's like a little. What too- more could we ask for? Opulent surroundings, fine wines, romance. Yeah. And he's like, hi, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you know? I can't remember the last time I felt so chipper. This is a life, eh, Griffin? <laughs> yeah. This is a life. And as a man screaming. <laughs> Which is like. Uh... At the same time, would would Hyde not do that? Yeah, yeah so and, I, and, and and he established himself within the first volume that he's also a rapist, the Invisible yeah. Man. So it's not like yeah. this is a like a, a thief that's getting this done to him. This is a man that's taken advantage of women before. <laughs> he's getting he's come it's, up in a sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like you said, like the even the plot centric cucking in Kingsman last episode. Like, yeah, it makes sense and it works, but I'm still like. Why you, why you always do this? Why right? you got it? Why you got? <laughs> why you got be like that, man? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it cuts back to the island of Monroe, and we got some silliness with all these animals, like the the tiger's licking, and the bear slaps his head and says, "Don't lick, la- like lick on all fours." And then we're, th- we're people now. Yeah. Then they <laughs> follow a frog in a little car. I thought it was just it was really funny and like kind of out of place. Yeah. But it's really it, it's funny until they get to Doctor Moreau and like Sly said. He's covered in gore. He's like he, he blood. Yeah. He's chopping these people up, and like there's like dead animals. Yeah, it's like it is dark. It's really dark for how silly the characters look. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me. This whole kind of like set kind of reminds me of like Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, where, like these things are cute, but also just horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Courage was always horrifying, never cute. Yeah, they they, they, like, they they were disturbing to me. Yeah, Alice Wilson is, is, is like uh, the the guy who's like driving them in the car over to the location. He looks like Mr. Toad. Mm-hmm. The house yeah. looks like a Hobbit house. Like it's in the oh yeah hole. yeah. Like it yeah. looks so fairy tale. Then they enter the house and like this is, they're chopping off a dog man and he he dog man dies because they're cutting up his limbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said like making dogs are always hard because you have to break all their legs to get them to stand upright and they usually don't make it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and he basically he's like, "Oh, I got the H142 is which which is what you need. I'll give it to you because like that the government put him there because they couldn't have him in any other facility because he was just and doing th- gross stuff." And they keep they keep hyping up like, "What is H142?" And, and Moreau even says, "Are you sure? Like I take it London is in grave danger that if you need that." Mm-hmm. But he like yeah. they don't tell you what it is and they're like yeah. So the whole time you're like, what What kind of animal could this be? 
that could stop these tripods. It must be what teaches Pokemon Cut, right? <laughs> That's yeah, HM yeah. Sly. Oh, oh, <laughs> Close. <laughs> and the issue ends with um, Hyde invite. He had Nemo invited him over <laughs> for dinner, <laughs> and he starts eating it. And he, basically, this is where he's telling him about like who Hyde is as a person. That he's a monster. Well, Jekyll's like a weakling, and that Jekyll like was so afraid of any kind of vices or any kind of sin that he like really tried to repress it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he says like he was thrown as a dwarf. But the more, like, he basically, uh, Jekyll's dark side grew and more, grew more and more. And now he's, like, because uh, he was smaller and now he's, like, the Hulk size, basically. Yep. And... As he's explaining this stuff, uh, blood slowly starts to appear more and more on his, like, um, his suit. His hands, his knuckles, yeah. There's a whole bunch of blood. And he's like, oh, it, uh, Nemo goes, you're, you're wounded. And says, no, this isn't mine. This is probably Griffin's, which means he's just passed away this moment in the library. Didn't I mention it? And Nemo runs away to look at it. Well, Hyde talks to the the Bill Samson. <laughs> so does he? Is it like implied that he has like pieces of him all over him? Or yes. Like... So when he read, it's his blood. Yeah, it's his blood. So uh, we should clarify. Oh, like... so when he dies, he stops blood... being in. Yeah, invisible. yeah. The yeah. blood all becomes okay. visible. So he beat him, I guess, on this table. That makes sense. Or, or he or he raped him so hard, blood came everywhere. This is so much blood. Jesus. He he like ripped. He, he ate him or something. Like it's all over his mouth okay because yeah. i was like is the blood coming out of like a leg or something but oh that makes more sense that when he dies he's it's the blood because uh, i was wondering it's, 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 i'm wondering like how alive because like he seems like he kind of timed it because griffin was still alive as they entered like he was on the floor uh saying and and probably trying to say no but like stuttering so he uh he was still alive enough to uh be alive at that point but he was so much blood came out of him it's weird yeah. Yep. And N- Nemo gets really mad and calls him the shit of the world. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great visual scene because the 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 table too starts to like just get more and mm-hmm. more red as the table I they're eating be... on. By the way. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. Like he must have ble- like bled him all over this table and eaten part of him or something because yeah. it's like it's so covered. And as as it becomes more and more visible, Hyde just continues. to Guys, eat. remember this thing can be done for an artistic effect, like of just doing impact. You don't have to think about the logistics of how much blood that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, just just i i want i want just, just saying how many pints <laughs> <laughs> this is another good ending quote uh oh cripes can this beastly business possibly get any worse to learn the admittedly predictable answer to this largely rhetorical question do not fail to purchase our concluding number unless of course you are a sissy coward or girl <laughs> and that caption is one of the reasons why i was like this was a good choice for Ed Sword. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it's like a, 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 we're trying to be Victorian as your lord. <laughs> yeah, which which is hard because it's like you have a little bit of a reason because like differences between the genders was very pronounced and like talked about back then. Yeah, yeah. Instead, but, instead of like like know. you can't you can't do that in like the two thousands type of deal. But then if you're writing you know an eighteen hundreds book, you can you can point out that Indian men are darkies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Terrible people. <laughs> So the next issue um, opens with them waiting at the train station. Moreau brings H-142. He's like, make sure you don't drop it. And then he leaves. They get on the train. And they even comment. They're like, what could be in that box? It's really light. And, yep, and you know, they continuously tease it. Like they, they get to the London and Bond's sitting there with like a handkerchief over his mouth. And it's like, it, it, it didn't take any damage? And they're like, no, it didn't. And then he's like, okay. And he turns to the guards behind him. He's like, you don't have to shoot us now. And she's like, what? Yeah. Like, why would we have to shoot? Quartermain's like, maybe it's a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the whole plan is to just basically uh, delay the aliens until they can get H1B1, whatever. H1B1, H1 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 H1
Yeah, HMO one out. Uh, so that's all. That's all League of Epic Trimmage. I'm gonna have to do. They have to delay the aliens. So there's like one bridge left mm-hmm. that they can get through on, and there's like there's like a hundred tripods now waiting on the other side of the bridge. Yeah. And they keep saying, like, Bond makes it very clear that they've been, like, blowing up bridges even when people are on them because, like, defeating them is more important than protecting anybody's lives. Bond is yeah. always so sweaty and scared looking every panel. <laughs> yeah. And they say, like, th- like, they can't, the aliens fucked up their own plan because they can't cross the Thames now because it's covered in that weed. Yeah. And so now they have this one last bridge and Hyde's ready to, like, go on it and basically martyr himself to save everyone and he lets him know it's like, the Invisible Man's dead. I killed him. And Mina's like, good. I should not like to hear of any creature suffering unnecessarily, even Griffin. Because <laughs> he says he says his end was comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Nemo says, spawn of a whore. <laughs> and, he, and he says, I have one favor to ask of you, Mina. Oh, First he says, so all I want, like, um, before I go, would you allow me the honor of a kiss? And she's like, oh, Edward, uh, of course. Of course I would. And so they kiss. And then afterwards, he's like, no. Uh, please, one more thing. I won't ask for anything more. I just want to touch your breast. And she's like, if you promise not to hurt me. And then it's just a panel of him holding onto her whole chest because his hand's so big. And he's like, yeah. thundering so fast. It's... Then he takes it away and he's like, oh, I knew that heaven would be the cruelest of all places. And it's like, it's, okay, it's being funny. <laughs> and I don't want it to be funny because this book is set up like that the Invisible Man and Hyde are monsters that are worthy of death. Yes. And yes. that Invisible Man got his comeuppance. But Hyde also needs his comeuppance. And here at the very last hour, it's like, I'm being sympathetic. Don't you care about me? Won't you allow me this? And it's kind of like, no. <laughs> like, he doesn't deserve any of this. Okay, here's something. Which is why Nemo's the best character, because he recognizes that. Yeah. The thing about Alan Moore is I have read probably a dozen Alan Moore books where he redeems a rapist. Oh. It happens in so many books. I don't know if maybe, like, he secretly wants to be a rapist or he doesn't <laughs> think rape is that bad. I don't know. But I mean, like, time and time again, there are so many books where he's, like, either, like, the rape wasn't that bad or, like, it would have been just as bad if I got raped. Or, like, this rapist is showing compassion and, like, look, isn't it more nuanced than just he raped somebody? Yeah. And, like, this scene is kind of the same thing where he's, like grabbing her but he's like asking consent which i guess in alan moore's world only a monster could do <laughs> which isn't even like consent when you're a giant monster that rips people apart and you're like can i touch your breast and you're like you got it i just ripped the visible man to death can i touch your boobs yeah like- yeah it's like so it's so much of it is like like i feel like he's always setting up these rapist characters and then redeeming them to the point that like what like why like because to for me personally I, I mean, this is a hot take. I don't think rapists should be redeemed. <laughs> like, I think that's, like, the worst thing. To defend Alan Moore a bit, uh, after shit him a few times, I will say he writes characters he doesn't like at all very well and he makes them sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, he says, I don't like Rorschach. I hate Rorschach. Rorschach is everyone's standout character from Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Alan Moore says he wrote Rorschach to be a bad guy. So, uh, just because he writes, it doesn't mean he uh, likes he likes the character. Yeah, he itself. doesn't condone it. And and I I think I think it's fair to argue though that like uh, we are very we are so easy to accept redeeming mass murderers in in comics and fiction in general. We're like, oh, they yeah. killed people, they feel bad, but we're like, whoa, you raped someone, like you deserve death forever. Yeah, it's the important like, thing I, too is like he stepped on children. <laughs> he killed yeah. the first meet him because he's been killing whores left and right, like ripping them in half. Mm. So it's like it, I think 
for me, I'm like, I, I can I can accept redemption stories in general, and like this, he is worse than most. Uh, yes. So I don't know if I don't know if I'll accept him in particular. But it doesn't mean that every time he tries to do a redemption story, it's necessarily problematic. Because we often will be like, this guy murdered a lot of people, but he feels bad about it. Like, we we can feel for him. You know what I mean? Kind of. It depends on, like, the story and what the character is and everything. And specifically, yeah. what the transgression is. I do yeah. I do agree with, uh, with Phil, though, because most characters in fiction uh, usually commit horrible things. Like, especially if yeah. the story goes on long enough. Like, if you read X-Men... Most of the X Men should be war criminals and should yeah, be locked up. Yep. Like, like yeah. they're like, and, and you look at anime. Like, you look at Vegeta. Vegeta blew a plan, and then he becomes a good guy. Like, yeah. And P- Piccolo's a monster too. Like, every fiction has not not Piccolo, kind of... King Piccolo, maybe. But oh not yeah, Piccolo. whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's my asterisk. <laughs> you leave Piccolo <laughs> alone. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just again like because like it's just like it happens every time. Yeah. yeah. Like again, it's the writer getting in the way of the story. I can see that. Mm. I really, I really didn't like this turn because I liked the theme he was going with with Invisible Man, where basically you get what you deserve, kind of a thing. Yeah. And I, I wanted to yeah. see that with, like Hyde. Even Hyde knew that he was a monster. And it's like I want to see yes. that happen, but instead he gets a heroic death where he marches forward, like singing while he goes to approach a tripod. It looks like he gets incinerated and turns to ash, but instead he gets up as like a burnt naked man. And then he yeah. just knocks over the tripod. He goes inside of the, the the skeletal suit it has and just, like, smashes its head and starts eating it and saying how delicious it is. And then they get a whole bunch of artillery and they fire on him and they, they blow him up. Yeah, but they say at least he taught them fear before he died. And he, the wreckage of this downed tripod is blocking the bridge now. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, sh- and but I, I, I want to say, when I said uh, Mr. High is my favorite character... Uh, it is because of what Daryl said, because he is a monster and he recognizes it, and I, that makes it interesting. I do yeah. wish he didn't have a fucking heroic Like a heroic death, death yeah, yeah, where it's just like, yeah. oh, he he stalled them long enough to give us time to drop H-142. Yeah. yeah. And then they name a park after him. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they're, they've considered naming a park after him, yeah. 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 I, I will say I do like how he, I don't think like he says repeatedly like I don't I'm not doing this to like save people I just wanted to kill this whole mm-hmm. time all I want to do is fight Martians mm-hmm. yeah. and now I'm gonna go fight Martians but like the narrative redeems yeah, yeah no yeah, I, I agree yeah, the story yeah. the, the story does which is the yeah, problem yeah. when you have like you look at the invisible man and it's like you're irredeemable and you get this terrible ending and then here it's like you get the heroic you get to do what you want to do yeah it's it's really it's picking crazy. sides in this monster face off so the it, it ends with H-142 showing up, and they're like, "Which what hybrid animal is it? And they're like, uh, oh, it's anthrax and streptococcus. Yeah, and it's, a, like, it's a hybrid what? disease. <laughs> yeah, basically ending from the original World Worlds, uh, common uh, herb viruses can kill. Uh, well, they yeah. say, we're going to say it's a common cold, mm-hmm. but yeah. actually we're using chemical warfare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the same same idea, like. And then yeah, and then Nemo I, hears this and he's like, "I can't like this is too much. Britain is so far gone. Like I'm gonna get yeah, in my boat. I'm gonna go away." He says, "England has disease bombs, and you have made Nemo party to their use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are all dogs." Yeah, Nemo's <laughs> like, "Al Moore may claim me for England, but I do not claim England for myself. <laughs> Fuck you." <laughs> yeah, and and then it ends with them in the park like months later. So okay. It's Serpentine Park, which is now in real life called Hyde Park. Oh. Okay. So this is the secret origin of the name of Hyde Park. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so yeah, they consider it in real life, I guess. <laughs> this is the origin story for that, how actually I named Hyde Park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so it's Alan and Mina together. It's basically that she's like, oh, I'm just, I gotta go to a ladies' commune in Scotland. I gotta think about some things. Like, this has been a very tough 
few months for me. And he's like, but really, but like we we love each other, and it's, it's it, shouldn't we stay together? And she's like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what happened between us was wonderful, but I need time to myself. I need to be sure about my feelings. Don't be angry. Don't make these moments unhappy. Just remember me. And she kisses him, gets in a coach, and goes away. And it ends with just him sitting on a bench in autumn. Yeah. So, uh, would you guys be more? I would. I would. I, I I like more stuff, and I also I feel like I do need more familiarity, so I can start picking out like Ryan, where I'm like instead of being like, oh, this is so smart, like Fairyland, like Dark Fairyland. Now I can be like, oh, this is just your thing. Yeah. I had read Volume One and Two and stopped here, like when I read it years ago, and I really still feel that way. That like that's enough, I think, for me. Mm. I think for me, if I would probably like this more if I didn't like the concept so much. Yeah. Because like for me, like the book itself is I liked it more this time than whenever last time. And you guys had a lot of really valid and good points about it. But like it still isn't even close to what I want the concept to be. Mm. But, but, but the way I look at it is right now uh, Universal uh, Pictures is trying to take their classic monster movies and make them into all adventure movies like uh, Brenda Frazier's The Mummy Films and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They should to get the rights to this and use that as a source material because this is more appropriate for uh, like the horror heroes teaming up. And they should get the adventure idea, somebody to write the adventure idea and use that for these characters. Did you watch the Leave Extraordinary Gentleman movie? I'm wondering, is the movie that concept? I have I've only seen, seen it once and I remember it being very like action gun con. I mean, Same. it stars Sean Connery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I saw it when it came out. I, don't, I barely remember it, but so I, I do see a remember movie. The maybe the movie is movie. what? Maybe ironically, people say the movie is like such a bastardization. Maybe because I'm not a huge fan of how the book. Maybe Sly and I like it. <laughs> yeah, more. maybe you guys should watch it. Yeah. If you want that as a bonus episode, let us know. Oh, that's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's actually interesting because it's, so, it's always considered such a, a bad movie by fans of the book. Maybe uh, by non-fans of the book, we'll like it. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's probably less rape in it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know, Sean Connery has been in pure rapey movies at, at points in his life. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, okay. I, I enjoyed it. I like Alan Moore's stuff still. And I like it more than 2000's Edgelords. I mean, Grant, this was like 1999. To on the scale of Edgelord stuff, I I like this a lot. But yep. on the scale of Alan Moore stuff, it's towards the bottom for me. Sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so for me too. I th- I think me and Phil were really smitten by what he did, though, just like how he introduced so many of the characters and stuff. Mm. I I like every Alan Moore thing I've read. It's just me too. I, it's just like so when I say this is, I'll agree that this is probably one of my least favorites, but that's like, you know, relative to Alan Moore, I'm like it's still good. I would. I, I want like people. It. I I want to make it clear. I have. I don't think I've read any Alan Moore that I like actively dislike at all. Mm. It's just like. I feel like I have this knee-jerk reaction where because he's hailed as, like, he's the comic book writer that writes real literature Mm -hmm. and not, like, the rest of the medium. And I think, like, I have this knee-jerk, like, well, that's kind of bullshit kind of response. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Especially, like, since uh, me and Ryan know, like, Neil Gaiman and Garth Ennis and other writers who don't get as much accolades as uh, more... But uh, Neil Gaiman gets accolades. I mean, yeah. well, no, but like, uh, do you have you guys read Neil Gaiman yet? I I've read American Gods, the book by him, and I was hot, hot take. I was not impressed. It's, not, it's, not, it's nowhere near as much as Al Moore. Al Moore is like the Titan, and then Neil Gaiman is like second place, and then uh, Grant Morrison and uh, Peter Milligan are like um, not even in the same 
here's that. Yeah. And, like, I just know so many people that have, like, only read Alan Moore comics and been like, I, I don't, you know, comics don't do it for me, but Alan Moore's the exception. And it's like, you know... Oh, Phil, you I, shouldn't have this because you hate Harry Potter because everyone says, I don't read books, but I like Harry Potter. I don't hate Harry Potter. I just, well, you, 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 you said it to me, I hate Harry Potter. He can change his mind books. on these things. I know, but I'm saying, like, you felt this way at some point. You mm. can't say, this feeling is alien to you, Phil. <laughs> I understand the idea. I understand yeah. the idea. I, and it's just like one of those things, like, I, could, I can also understand being like, you see a bunch of comics all the time and you're like, oh God, it's just more superhero schlock. And then mm. you read Watchmen and you're like, oh... That is very different than like me. anything yeah. else. Yeah, like yeah. I, I was so impressed with Watchmen where I was not with most comics. And it's not to say that they're less good, but they're very, like, Alan Moore's books are very different than... Yeah, I, I think that's, like, a big thing because especially, like, Sly and Ryan want more of, I think, what we probably don't want from comics in it, Phil. I think we, me yeah. and Ryan have read a lot of this style book, so we're not starved for it. Like, we, in yeah. fact, this, this, this type of books... Have a, have bled but it's weird to be start for just like uh, I uh, not not to be rude, but generic adventure perhaps. No, not generic adventure. Like fun pulp. The thing is, no, like that's every comic is, though. They're yeah. always fun. They're always yeah. fun. Uh, no, that, no, it's not because every book uh, we always point out. Like uh, we read uh, a book and like it'll be fun for most of it. But most most time we, most books we point out are totally consistent because they're influenced by Al Moore. Like what was it? Like the Rand story, the Joker and the Rand story. There's more books like that. Uh, nowadays where you can see the influence of Al Moore bleeding and there's less more pure fun books like and I, I think I, I agree with Sly completely on that because like Alan Moore's cynicism and like Frank Miller's cynicism when they like revamped comics in the late 80s became such like a toxic infection that even though when I read an Alan Moore book like for like stuff like Watchmen like Watchmen was the first comic book I read and it like I, it's still one of my favorite books ever but like the whole like let's deconstruct everything and be like but what if everyone was a piece of shit kind of like fucked up the medium forever <laughs> that like it's not fair to judge Alan Moore for that like on its face but the fact that he kept doing it over and over and over again like kind of I don't know it's just like it I always forces me to be like to have that asterisk when i talk about why alan moore is great yeah and uh, and people like uh, casual fans like you and daryl you're so star for stuff like this i want superheroes to be legitimate and real and this and that mm. every writer now tries to appeal to that so much and you guys only read alan moore anyway so it's like polluted like this one writer and everyone they're everyone's trying to ape him has made a whole medium like toxic to anyone else something different i like, suppose that is another problem is a lot of our phil and i's exposure to comics is from you guys and we have not yeah. delved into a lot of modern age stuff yeah. like we've delved into a lot of formative like oh here's this character here's this character and you're showing us the best of their runs where we have not seen the post more stuff where you're trying to do more like, like twisted things is it, is it worse to have these people aping alan moore style or just the same superhero shit for 50 years but that's a, but the thing is it's more that the cynicism of it, where, yeah, like, cynicism. I think that that is detrimental to have an entire medium that's supposed to, like, inspire people and, like, be, like, a fun way for kids to learn, like, morals about, like, making the world a better place and doing the right thing. That now it's just like, what if they were all rapists? But is, that, what, is, that, is that the inherent purpose of the medium is to be fun adventures that are uh, yes, uplifting? Yes, yes. Why do the Marvel, why do people not want to DC cinematic universe films because uh, people wanted the Marvel films they rather have 
the, the, there's a reason why these mediums become so much more about just dumb fun, especially in times when times are tough, like when comics first came into fruition, and now as comic movies become more popular, and why movies like Robin Hood and stuff became popular during the Great Depression and stuff like that, because people want fun escapism, and like uh, uh, dark cynicism it has its place, but with a whole medium, like there's a reason nobody wants the whole medium to be just pure cynicism. No medium should ever be pure cynicism because it makes everything just a dreary reminder of how much life sucks. And I'm not saying that the cynicism doesn't have a place. Like I said, like Watchmen is what drew me in too. Like I was also part of this, but it's just like, because so much of like our society views like Alan Moore as like the only comics that matter. It kind of like delegitimizes the optimistic side of it in a way that like really bothers me. And also I just want it. I want to say that. Alan Moore's also a giant fucking hypocrite where he's like, you can't, he like won't let anybody, he thinks anyone that tries to use his characters is like complete trash and a hack, but like all of his famous works are just taking other people's characters and deconstructing them. Like we talked about how Watchmen are all like Steve Ditko characters and how like all these characters are other people's fictional characters. And he's like, I'm allowed to do this because I'm the best and I'm the exception, but like nobody else is. And I think that extrapolates to the medium as in general, where it's like, well, because Alan Moore did it, it's the best. So let's just like put him on this pedestal. Yeah. One other example is Chris Claremont, uh, the biggest X-Men writer created uh, Captain Britain. Al Moore worked with Captain Britain on the Captain Britain story and he created a villain for Captain Britain and Chris Claremont was like, oh, I thought that villain was cool. I want to use him in my X-Men books. Al Moore got so pissed off he demanded he be, uh, be off the uh, Captain Britain books. Like, fuck you, Marvel. And he stopped working for Marvel for that. He got so pissed off that another person dared to write I a mean, book. I mean, guys, I'm not I'm not trying to be a character reference for Alan Moore. I don't, I don't think he's a good... I don't care if he's... I'm not saying he's a good person. I was going to say, we're going into some weird, like, personal yeah. attack territory. I know. I don't I'm, care. I'm backing up, I'm, we're backing up why Alan Moore is a person annoys us. Okay, I, and I can see that. It's just, like, for me, I'm like, his books are still some of... The best comics I've ever mm-hmm. read. So I'm like, I don't give a shit if he's a snake sorcerer in the woods. <laughs> the thing is, that also uh, relates to what we're saying because it shows that Alan Moore doesn't consider other writers as legitimate. And I also like that, that may, and I hate that too when when creators think their their, their farts are too fucking uh, they don't stink or whatever. <laughs> like, sure, I I I'm fine with pretension for me. I, I hate pretension. I hate, I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. I'd rather have a writer like Grant Morrison or. Other people who try to boost up, like Graham Morrison boosted up Mark Miller, Mark Miller betrayed him and was a dick. But I'd rather have, I'd rather have uh, writers that try to uh, help the medium along and instead of trying to create this weird circular uh, jerk-off fest for themselves. And also Alan Moore has a lot of problematic shit about women in most of his books, so there's that too. <laughs> but whatever. I think we've talked about this enough. <laughs> yeah, we never yeah. mean Phil or I mean Ryan are having a therapy about why Alan Moore fucking pisses off. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> One episode. I hope you guys enjoyed our bonus discussion on Alan Moore. <laughs> that should be our bonus. Just us yelling at Alan Moore for twenty minutes. It touches upon why um, why people think comics aren't legitimate art form, and when people think Al, Alan Moore is the only one that matters. It, 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 I, it, I, I totally understand the, the, why it pisses you off, but again, I have to say from from it's totally understandable for a casual person who picks up a 60s comic and they're like, oh, it's Superman making jokes and mm-hmm. saying gosh golly willikers and then they pick up Watchmen. There is such a stark difference there. But in that's the dichotomy quality. that bothers, bothers me because people act like there's comics not written by uh, Alan Moore that are all just campy nonsense and then there's Alan Moore comics for grown-ups. Yes. Like Steve Steve Engelhardt's Doctor Strange before Watchmen and all that stuff. Like yeah, There yeah. were so many legitimate books in the 70s and even the 60s that so many more legitimate works that people ignore because everyone thinks it's all 
all Superman going, gosh, God, G Bokers. And then that's the yeah. only exception you have. And that cynicism is the only way to write superheroes. And like, that's what bothers me. But I think it's an important conversation to have because there's a reason why Sly and I pushed Alan Moore to be in Edgelord August. Mm, yeah. And it's for these reasons. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Like, especially after reading this book where it was like, you know, I think you could make defenses for Barbara's paralyzation in like something like the killing joke, even if it ends up being like she's used for Batman and Gordon's anger yeah. and stuff like that. Whereas like this one, there were a lot of things where I'm like, I think you could do without it. Like in the first volume with the the Arabic foreigners trying to rape Mina. I'm like, yeah. I think you could do without it. I think you, they could just try and like rob her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap up this book. <laughs> That's it. It's wrapped up. We're good. Okay, so thank you guys for listening. You should check out the rest of the shows at the Flying Machine Network. I would like to specially plug Podstore Podcast this week. We've talked about it on Oops before because it's a political show, but Jess just had an episode where she interviewed a writer who was writing a book that was her response to the immigration crisis at the border. So you should listen to that. It's a really interesting interview. And you can check that out and all the other shows at the network at flyingmachine.network. And also check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash flyingmachine. And we have some bonus episodes. So there's quite a few at this point. So check all those out. Oh, I was just on uh, They See Me Rolling Again. I played another game of Fiasco and it was really weird. And I don't know how much of the weird sex stuff was edited out. So (laughs) check that out. Hopefully none. (laughs) Hopefully none, but probably, hopefully a lot. It's way weirder than the one we did (laughs) Okay. So yeah, <laughs> check check that out. Stay see me rolling. And uh, that's all I got. Thank you all for listening to Divisive Issues. I've been Mr. Hyde all along. I've been holding a deep resentment for Alan Moore deep inside me. I've been the shit of the world. And I've been Captain Nemo and I'm out of here. Stay on Nui. I give you the incredible flying machine. <laughs>I'm trying to reload my browser right now. I think I had to reinstall Skype. I think it's like lagging the shit out of my computer right now. Rip. So I might need someone else to take over the place. I'll I'll fill fill in, I guess. You'll fill in? I'm Phil. (laughs) I'm Sly. Uh, So... uh...